0: Man, You can be seated. If you've got your copy of God's Word this morning, I want to invite you to open up with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 25 together. Last week we looked at the fact that God, uh, His Son Jesus, gave His disciples and us marching orders to make disciples of all nations. And the way that He told His disciples to do that was to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Because God has created our world in a way that He will use our imperfect, stuttering, not always knowledgeable words to bring spiritual life and salvation to Others. And yet we saw last week that one of the reasons why believers so often disobey and ignore that command to speak the gospel and share the gospel is because we are so focused on ourselves, on our lives, on our plans, and on our ambitions, on our comforts, and on being in control that we neglect Jesus' clear commands. The antidote for this kind of disobedience, this kind of self-focus is to turn our eyes away from ourselves and towards Jesus who we are called to emulate. Jesus who we saw last week has a heart that is broken with compassion for those who are lost and for those who are in need of a savior and a shepherd. We prayed last week that God would break our hearts and break our apathy for the lost so we could see them the way that Christ saw us before we were saved. And today we stay in that same theme of trying to be obedient to Jesus' marching orders and we look at another of these obstacles to living on mission this week not being focused on ourselves, but this week, depending on ourselves and our knowledge and our power, we look at the missional obstacle of self-reliance. Read with me Matthew 10, verses 5 through 25. Then Jesus, or these twelve, Jesus sent out, instructing them, "'Go nowhere among the Gentiles,' And enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your word, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves." For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. Children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved." household. In this text, we see Jesus sending His disciples out on their first mission. We know that later on, before He ascends to heaven, He will give them the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations and starting in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. But actually, before He left them, before He went to the cross, He sent them on this mission. He empowered them for this ministry and He told them what kind of life theirs would be if they were faithful to proclaim the gospel and follow Christ. And it's instructive for us. I want to point out two summary statements this morning that I think summarize the big idea of this passage and applies to us. The first of those summary statements is this. A life on mission goes to desperation and danger without provision or plans. A life on mission goes to desperation and danger without provision or plans. I want to quickly point out that much of this passage, especially the first half of this passage we read, specifically is for Jesus' apostles that He's speaking to them 2,000 years ago. Their names are listed at the beginning of this chapter, and then we see that Jesus gives them specific authority, and He tells them that their initial mission should be limited only to Israel. That all happens in verses 1 through 6. But as the passage goes on, the commands Jesus gives become more and more general and they begin to apply to us who are believers today. Notice in verse 8 who Jesus says to go to. He says, Go to the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. He calls His disciples to go to those in society who are desperate. Those who are harassed by demons and diseases beyond their control. He says, go out on mission and specifically go to the unmentionables of society who usually are avoided by most people in the name of safety and comfort and cleanliness. Don't move away from them, go to them. In Israel, if you went near sickness or leprosy, or death, it would make you ritually unclean so that you would not be able to go into the temple to worship God and offer sacrifices. And yet Jesus says, don't avoid those people, go to those people. Move towards desperation. Move towards, He even says, danger. In verses 16 through 18, Jesus says, As you go out, you are like sheep going out among wolves. You will face bitter opposition. You will face those who seek your lives. You will seek those, you will go out after those and be amongst those who will drag you before the governing authorities. Verse 21 says, If you proclaim the gospel faithfully, it will divide families so that even families will stand against, sometimes even seeking to kill one another. Verse 22 says, you will be hated for Jesus' sake. Verse 23 says, persecution is coming, and when it begins, run to the next town and be faithful to preach the gospel there too. Verse 24 and 25 says, they will be against you because they are against Jesus, they're against Jesus who they think is of the devil. Easy mission Jesus calls them to, right? No, this doesn't sound easy at all. Jesus knows that going to the desperate to proclaim repentance and faith. Going to those who are dangerous to proclaim repentance and faith will put you in the bullseye of the enemies of the gospel. But he says, go anyway. And he says, as you go into these unpredictable and dangerous settings, what should they do to prepare themselves in advance? He says, make no provisions and make no plans. Accept no money, don't even bring a bag of stuff. Don't plan your lodging. Don't fret about what you'll do when danger arrives. Just obey my commands, proclaim my gospel, and use the power that I have given you to validate the message that you will preach. No suitcases, no snacks, no reservations, no directions. Just go and obey. Your mission is to go to the desperate and the dangerous without provisions or plans. That's the first summary statement that Jesus gives to His disciples. But there's a second. A life on mission also must trust and know the God who provides. If you are to live a life on mission according to Jesus, you must trust and know the God who provides. If I'm honest, Jesus' call to his disciples here sounds unwise, it sounds unappealing, it sounds foolish, it sounds dangerous. We are a people today who are not all that different from people back in Jesus' day. We love to be in control. We love to make plans. We love to be prepared. We love to be comfortable and safe. And we are often those who desperately do whatever it takes to try to avoid the unpredictable and dangerous in our lives. And while there's wisdom in those things, oftentimes we depend on ourselves and our plans and our knowledge and our know-how far too much. We often trust in our preparation. We trust in our perceived power, our perceived knowledge, our perceived control in a way that makes it impossible to depend on God. There's nothing wrong with making plans. But if we are to be led by the Spirit of God, and if we are to be on mission for Jesus... Jesus is going to put people and situations in our lives and in our path that we do not plan. And we must be willing to be faithful and to open our mouths and proclaim the gospel and meet needs and speak truth and be led by the Spirit, even sometimes spontaneously, if we will be faithful to our Lord. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Few of us trust in chariots and horses, but we could modernize that verse and say, Some trust in jobs, some trust in bank accounts, some trust in knowledge, some trust in their power, some trust in their planning, but we trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, famous verse, oftentimes given as an encouragement to the younger generation as they make steps towards the next season of life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. The Scriptures, Old Testament and New, consistently tell us to lean on God, trust in God, desperately show that you need God, be led by God, trust in Him, not yourselves. And yet so often we live our lives more like those who trust in the things of this world, our plans. Think about the rich young ruler in the stories of the Gospels. When Jesus was confronted by this rich young ruler who said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? He said, obey the laws of God. And he said, I've done that, Jesus, what else? And he says, you lack one thing. Go and sell all the possessions that you have and follow me. What did he trust in when he refused to lay aside everything to follow Jesus he trusted that his money and the power and control that he believed gave him would help him to accomplish the purpose of his life what did the pharisees who jesus constantly bumped up against trust in as they opposed jesus They trusted in their righteousness, their law-keeping. They trusted that they were more holy than everyone else. What does our world tell us today? It says believe in yourself. Look inside yourself. Dig deep. You can be whatever you want to be if you just believe enough and work hard enough. It is a message of self reliance, a message of depend on yourself alone, a message of self sufficiency. I can do it all on my own. I can make plans. I can execute plans. I can control the future. I can store up enough money. I can fall back and rest because of how intelligent I am or how strong I am. Or how much I've planned out. But friends, God desires a people who trust in Him to empower and provide for them. He desires a people who don't trust in themselves but in Him. Because then He gets the glory. There's wisdom In working hard, there's wisdom in planning. In fact, a part of adult, of mature adulthood, is being self reliant. But being a mature Christian requires that we never let our self reliance squelch our God reliance. When we sing a song like we just sang, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Do we really? Is that just a song, or those just words on the screen? Or are we living our lives in a way, taking risk for the name of Christ? Sacrificially loving and giving others, putting ourselves in situations that we don't have the answers to as we try to be faithful and we're saying, God, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm not sure how you're going to work this out for your good. I don't know all the answers to this situation, but you're God and I'm leaning on you. That's the life of faith. It's not a life of foolishness, but it's a life of relying on God and not ourselves. Jesus gives his disciples this mission to strip them of their self. Reliance. He said, God will provide you the money that you need. God will provide you the food that you need. God will provide you the clothing that you need. God will provide you the lodging that you need. God will provide you the opportunities you need. Don't worry about the danger. Don't worry about the opponents. Don't worry about what you will say. You have the good news. You have the Spirit of God to empower you and the��es. Sustaining God who is sovereign over all will never leave you or forsake you. And that means you have all that you need to be faithful to me. Let God be your solid rock. Lean on Him. Trust Him. That's the message behind Jesus' message to His disciples. That's His call for his disciples. That's what it means to be fishers of men. That's what it means to obey our Savior and Lord. That's what it means to live on mission. And it's the same call he gives his followers today. Friends, in our country we are privileged to live in a place where we are not going to be imprisoned or killed for proclaiming the gospel. It's unlikely in our lifetimes, that we will be killed or dragged before governing authorities or flogged or beaten for being evangelistic and sharing the good news of Jesus. The physical threat of danger that they faced in their day for doing what Jesus said is not as great for us in our country, although it is all over our world for many believers today. But nevertheless, if you share the gospel... If you are faithful to speak the gospel and to live out the gospel in your day-to-day life, you will face opposition even in the buckle of the Bible belt where everyone pretends like they're friends with God. You'll be called closed-minded if you say Jesus is the only way to salvation. You will be called judgmental if you call sin what it is. You'll be called foolish for believing in a God you can't see and basing your life around an ancient book. You will sometimes face opposition from family and friends. You will face questions and challenges that you don't know the answer to even among other professing believers, even among other people who say they love God and trust in Jesus, if you are faithful to live on mission and proclaim the gospel with words and with actions, you will be told from them to stop taking things so seriously all the time, stop rocking the ship, stop ruffling people's feathers. There are consequences in small-town America of aligning yourselves with King Jesus, living on His mission and proclaiming the gospel. In fact, if no one is upset with you as a result of your Christian life that you're living, if no one's upset with you, because of the faithful Christian gospel that you're proclaiming, it is highly likely that you are not as boldly and faithfully living on mission as Jesus demands. The Bible, Jesus says, and the apostles after Him say, you can count on persecution. You can count on opposition. Not if you're quiet. Not if you never speak the truth. Not if you just kind of become like whoever you're around. But if you're bold, if you speak the truth of the gospel, they promise persecution. That's something you can name and claim. Don't name and claim money. Don't name and claim riches and wealth. Name and claim persecution. It's promised. It's promised if we're faithful. Preaching the gospel got all of Jesus' disciples minus one killed for their faith. Preaching the gospel has resulted in persecution throughout all of church history. Proclaiming and living out the gospel, God our Savior, Jesus, crucified on the cross of Calvary. Why? Because the fundamental message of the gospel is offensive to a fallen world, it condemns sin. It speaks of God's judgment and it says you can't fix yourself. You can't rely on yourself. You can't work hard enough to earn your way back to peace with God. The gospel calls us out and it undercuts our self-reliance and it calls us to repentance, not just with words, but with actions. And all of those truths that are a part of the gospel that can save us rages against our sinful pride. That thinks that we're good enough, that God understands, and that we can fix ourselves without God's help. That's why people hate the gospel. And the reality is, is that as we go into our neighborhoods and workplaces and communities, we don't know how people will respond if we speak the truth of the gospel. We don't know if they'll feel conviction or anger. We don't know if they'll be interested or apathetic and uncaring. We don't know as we go to preach the gospel and speak the truth if they will thank us or if they will judge us. We don't know what questions they'll ask or if we will have the answers when they ask those questions. We don't know if it could potentially change our relationship or give us a reputation in the community or in our workplace. And that fear of the unknown. That fear of the unknown, of what's going to happen when we speak the truth, so often keeps us from saying anything. It keeps us from speaking on mission. We love to be in control, but we can't control the outcome of a conversation about Jesus. So for many of us, we just choose not to have that conversation. Jesus says... We are like sheep going into the midst of wolves, which means there's a chance you might get bit. If you're going to talk about Jesus, there is a pain line to be crossed. It's a risk, but risk is right. You might get hurt, but that's okay. The relationship you have with this person might change. You might provoke someone to anger. You might be mocked or disliked or gain a reputation that you would rather not have. The book that the discipleship group is about to read through, Honest Evangelism by Rico Tice, has this quote in it. It says When you tell others about Jesus, you will find either hostility or hunger. And when you open your mouth to speak the truth, you don't know which one you'll be met with. You don't know what your words will do to someone. You don't know what that truth could do in their lives now or 10 years from now, but in order to discover the hunger that some possess for Jesus, you have to risk the hostility that you might find others have in speaking Jesus. Do you know one of the greatest feelings in the world? It's when you are trying to invest in someone and you're trying to speak the gospel, and as you speak it, they're listening. They're engaged. They see and feel their need for it. And they want to know more. And they want to grow. And they're seriously considering this. That is exciting. But you will never feel that if you don't take the risk that they might respond with hostility. Who do you think you are telling me what I need to believe? They might respond with trying to stump you with questions you don't know the answer to. But without risking the hostility, without crossing the pain line, you will never find the hunger that some possess for the Lord. That can be scary. When when messages and sermons that we hear talk about embracing risk and crossing pain lines and facing hostility, we often get scared. We often retreat back to where we can be in control, where we can feel comfortable. But friends, God has called us to recognize that even if we pretend we're in control, we are not in control of anything. He is God and we are not. Our comfort and our peace and our hope are to be found in God, not in our idols of comfort, not in our idol of control, not in the idol we worship of man's approval, not in the idol of having a good reputation amongst those in the community. Friends, God has created and is seeking a people who find Him to be a treasure who is worth risking it all for. God seeks Noah's who will trust God enough to build an ark of salvation even if it means that he's constantly getting mocked by his neighbors for being faithful. God seeks Abrahams who believe God's promises even when those promises are humanly impossible. God is seeking Moses's who will trust God enough to risk their lives to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let Israel go. God is seeking Caleb's and Joshua's who see the giant Canaanites in the promised land and says, it's okay, God is with us, let's go fight. God is seeking David's who will risk death against Goliath because he is confident that God is able to deliver him from this uncircumcised Philistine. God is seeking Elijah's who will trust God to rain down fire from heaven to prove the foolishness of the false Prophets and their false gods. God is seeking young men who will face lions' dens and fiery furnaces because they know that God is able to save them. He is seeking Esters who are willing to risk their lives to advocate for God's people. He's seeking disciples who will cast aside their professions to join him in risky ministry. He's seeking disciples who will proclaim the gospel even if it means imprisonment because they know that. They're God is a chain breaker. God is seeking Stevens, who will face an angry mob and speak the truth no matter what because His treasure is Jesus, not this life. God is seeking Pauls who will take the gospel to the unreached regardless of the cost because he considers Jesus to be worth it. God is seeking a people who know that they're weak, but know that God is strong. Who know that they're needy, but know that God provides. Who knows that they're insufficient, but that God is enough. He is seeking a people who don't just say, but who believe that nothing is impossible with God. He's seeking a people who will risk their lives, risk. Their comfort risk their reputation because they believe in a God who is sovereign and who never takes risk and who will uphold and sustain them no matter what they face. He's looking for a people willing to cross the pain line and have that gospel conversation and stop making excuses because Jesus crossed the pain line for them on the cross of Calvary. But to be that kind of man or woman, we must set aside our self-reliance. We must set aside our love of control and comfort and safety. And we have to trust that God is worth The risk. Jesus is worth crossing the pain line. The Spirit will empower us to face both hostility and hunger. Forsaking our self-reliance, we must lean on and embrace God's power and be a God-reliant people. When we hear what Jesus tells His disciples. And then we we lift those commands and try to apply them to us today. And we hear that this life on mission, which is the normal Christian life, this isn't the radical, crazy, being a nut job for Jesus' Christian life. This is just average, normal Christianity according to the Bible. When we hear that this kind of life requires risk and persecution and hostility, it causes us to ask the question, why would I believe in and live for a Savior and King who calls me to that? And if you don't know Jesus then it won't make a lick of sense to you. Because you don't understand that there is something that is worth the risk, worth the persecution, worth the death. If you don't know the Lord Jesus and you don't know that you deserve God's eternal judgment because of your sin, if you don't realize that something far worse than getting a reputation for being a Jesus follower is standing against the almighty consuming wrath of God who stands against us in our sin, if you don't have categories for that, then all this talk about taking risk and crossing pain lines and all that mess, you're not going to want that. Because your eyes are blinded to the glory and the beauty of who Jesus is for us. God sent his son Jesus, who stepped off the throne and crossed the pain line for us to give us eternal life and forgiveness and hope and peace and joy if we turn from our sin and trust in Him. Jesus is the believer's salvation and joy and treasure. And when you get that, when that is a reality in your life, when you recognize that you are a wretch away from God with no hope and no peace and no future and no eternity except for the judgment of God, But God showed his love by sacrificing in that way for you, then all of a sudden you are empowered and changed from the inside out to look at this life and say, No matter what I do for Christ, I've never made a sacrifice. We look at this life and we say, Here I am, Lord, send me. We look at this life and we don't just pray the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, Your will be done, but we live it out. God, Your kingdom come, Your will be done in my life. Help me be faithful. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, He beckons you to come and repent. Believe in Him. He is the treasure that will truly satisfy. But if you're here this morning and you do know Him, And you, like me, see that your life is self-reliant. You depend on and trust in yourself far more than you do on God and His Spirit. If you, like me, recognize how frequently that is crippling you from living on mission, then I pray that as we close in just a moment, that you will join me in repentance. Join me in pleading with God. To change our hearts. To make us lean not on our own understanding, but in Him. Pray with me for God to increase our faith and trust in Him. So we can live on mission and be faithful no matter the cost. Let us be a people, individually and as a church, whose God-reliance outpaces our self-reliance. Let us be a people who trust in God so much that it destroys our fear of the unknown. Let us pray. Father God, we thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You, God, that we are not saved by our perfect obedience. We're not saved by our perfect service to You. We are not justified and forgiven because of the sacrifices we make for You. Lord, if we were, we would none be saved. We thank You, Lord, that we can rest in the finished work of Jesus, Lord, who died on the cross for our apathy. He died on the cross for our unfaithfulness. He died on the cross, Lord, for our trust in ourselves, for our fear of man, for our idols of comfort and control and security. God, we thank You that we can rest in the Gospel because Jesus' blood, His life, death, and resurrection was enough. But Lord, we plead with You now to sanctify us. Make us holy, Lord. Break our hearts For you, for your mission, for your plan. Not in order to save ourselves, but because we are created to be holy and faithful to you. God, you've made us not to build a little kingdom not to land an awesome job and commit our lives to work. You've made us not primarily only to build a family. You've made us not just to have a good reputation in the community, not just to pursue hobbies. God, there's nothing wrong with those things. But You've made us to shine Your light everywhere we go, to live on mission, to lean on You, to bring You glory. God, I pray that you'll do that in our lives. I pray that you'll do that in our church. Help us to respond to you. Help us, God, to lean on you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.